Welcome to the Lent Report on LinkedIn Live. Now, you might have noticed, you might have already tuned in about 15 minutes ago, um, that um, we went dead. And we went dead because of the internet. Uh, we lost the internet. So with all the great technologies that we're going to talk about today and other things, we also have to remember um, that the infrastructure that exists for the internet is not 100%. So here we get started. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the interesting future of shopping malls, Nicki Minaj and Martha Stewart's latest food moves, a different kind of vertical farm, and a new product review that might scare you. And also, there's a lot more. Each Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, we will be bringing you our unique insights on grocery retail, sustainability, e-commerce, new product reviews, and consumer trends. What I promise you that we will not do is a recap of those same stories that you receive in your emails every day from the grocery trade journals. We will be sharing excerpts from our farm food facts, our lost in the supermarket, and Retail Dietitians Business Alliance webcast when our guests share important must-know information. <clears throat> Every morning for the past almost 19 years, Sally Smithwick, our managing editor on Supermarket Guru and RDBA, searches for the stories that are important for our industry's future. And then our team gets together to discuss the implication of those stories. And that's exactly what we'll be sharing here. We also want you to know what's on your mind and what type of issues you're faced with. Now, don't be shy. Add your comments during the Lemper Report right in the LinkedIn chat box. Hopefully, you won't lose the internet. We will take your questions or comments during the program. So if there's a particular story that you want to comment on, agree with or disagree with, just type it in. Don't wait till the end. And Sally will monitor the chat and take your comments as they come in. So to be expected, Sally will be joining me right here every week as co-host. So let's get started. Sally, what's on our radar? Today, I have a story for you, Phil, that I think you're going to like. This story is about Nicki Minaj, her new wine, low-calorie wine that um, she created. There's a rosé, there's a chardonnay. I think this is a good time to get in this type of alcohol business because USC research tells us that alcohol sales in the spring of 2020, right when the pandemic hit, went up 34%. We also know that 42% of people gained weight during the pandemic at an average of 29 pounds. So wow. if people are drinking a lot and gaining weight, then it's it's a good time for a low calorie wine, don't you think? You know, I, I do. Um, I have a quote uh, from Nikki here. Um, I didn't wanna create just another ordinary wine. I wanted to make something special, something unique, something that I would love to drink. My Moscatos and Sangrias create a completely different experience. First of all, I didn't even realize anybody's still drinking Moscato or sangria. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a clever idea. And uh, doing some research, I came across um, an app. Um, obviously, there's an app for everything these days. It's called Grape Stars, and basically, what it does is it shows you the hundreds of celebrities um, that are associated with alcohol, not beer, not wine, uh, but these uh, celebrities actually own these companies. You might remember 
that Randy Gerber and George Clooney started Casamigos Tequila, and they sold it for $1 billion. Uh, now, when I went through, so I understand why celebrities want to get in the business. Yeah. Um, so, so when I look at the app, um, the thing that sort of like bothers me is that there's also some dead people um, on the app, like Ernest Hemingway. Um, I'm not sure that if his estate is part of it or they just licensed his name um, or whatever, uh, but he has um, a bourbon. Uh, so <laughs> tell me what's going on with Martha Stewart. Hopefully she's not getting into the wine business. She's getting in the wine business, but we know she's been involved in the home decor business and cookware and cannabis products as well. And because now Snoop Dogg, the show with Snoop Dogg. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. My favorite combination, my favorite yeah. duo. Yeah. But now she's launching a line of food products for grocery stores, and it's expected to be the largest first-time grocery store launch of a brand ever. Uh, wow. They're planning to be in over 10,000 stores, including Kroger and Publix, and it's mostly frozen appetizers and desserts to start off with. So... You know, Martha, I, I like Martha. I know her from the Today Show for many years. Mm -hmm. uh, I grew up in Belleville, New Jersey. She grew up in Nutley, New Jersey, adjacent towns. Um, but I have to wonder, um, and, and I'm curious, you know, she's almost 80 years old. Um, do we think that the Martha Stewart brand is strong enough to be in 10,000 stores, to have, you know, over 400 products? Is, is this going to go on or is it just going to be a flash in the pan? I do see some potential for this because all of the food products she's putting out are based on her cookbooks, her recipes that people have really loved for a long time. And there also seems to be a gap in the prepared foods industry right now right. where people want foods that, you know, that when you buy something from the freezer and you put it in your microwave, it usually just tastes really, really bland and bad. And so they want they want more flavor in these prepared foods. So I see I see a lot of potential. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to watch and also to see how active um, she's going to be in promoting the products, because that's always been mm -hmm. her success, um, whether it was a cookbook or a TV show. She was really out there uh, pushing it. So, you know, we'll see what happens. What's up next? Next up, I have a great story about some research being done in at Washington State University. So we are seeing all of these crazy wildfires this year. In fact, research shows that more than one million acres more has burned this year than last year. Wow. So it's a very serious situation. There's a lot of smoke out there and there's also a lot of vineyards. So Washington State University is conducting research to see how the smoke is affecting the grapes, uh, what kind of barrier sprays they can put on the grapes that will protect it from smoke and how, it, how the smoke affects the flavor. This is going to be inter interesting research, I think, because if we continue to see wildfires like this, there's a lot of other things that are being grown out in California and Washington yep. and Oregon as well. So this could be research that could be applied to those crops as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's a very serious problem. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was in New York and there were actually like two days um, of haze in New York. And the news reports mm -hmm. talked about the fact that the haze was from the 
fires, you know, um, in, in Washington state that had gone cross country. And I would also imagine that not only were the of the grape be affected, but also the processing of it, maybe the texture of it. I mean, there, there's huge implications uh, for this. Probably one of the biggest implications is going to be, you know, how we grow grapes um, indoors. I mean, we, we know we can grow lettuce indoors, and we're going to talk a bit more about indoor farming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I, I maybe it's time to grow grapes indoors. And, you know, back to uh, Nicki Minaj, maybe she's going to come out with now a, a, a smoked sangria um, as a result of having these grapes that are affected by smoke. Could be. I guess Hopefully we'll see. Not. Hopefully, <laughs> not. Hopefully not. And what else you got for us? I've got a story today about Mandela's International opening an Oreo cafe. This is going to open up at the American Dream Center in Rutherford, New Jersey. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's a big entertainment center. They've got mini golf and video games and indoor snow activities, all kinds of things. Um, So, yeah, they're going to open up this cafe. You can go in and make Sundays and cheesecake and milkshakes and use Oreos in all different kinds of creative ways. Why? <laughs> who, who, who wants to do that? I mean, M&M's uh, had, a, had a store in midtown Manhattan near Times Square mm-hmm. um, where it was the same kind of concept. It, it didn't last very long. And, um, and in, in the case of M&M's, there was a variety of M&M's. Oreos, you know, it's an Oreo. Yeah, there's a double stuff Oreo and there's a big one and a chocolate covered one and so on. Um, and also what, what I think is a mistake is they're putting this on the third floor of uh, the American dream. We're going to talk more about shopping malls um, in just a minute or so. But the interesting thing to me is that I think um, that Mondelez is making a mistake in doing this. I think it's a cheap shot to get publicity, get people like us talking about it, uh, getting the word <laughs> Oreo out there. Um, I know a lot of people that during the pandemic, um, you know, went to eating doing those 29 pounds and, and so on. So, you know, it, I'm not sure that the timing is right. Um, tell, tell me about some farming. Well, in Utah, which is coincidentally a vineyard, Utah is the name of the town. Everything's just coming together today. Right, Wine right. and Oreos and now Vineyard, Utah, they are coming up with some really innovative ways to grow food. And what they're doing is they're conserving water, they're eliminating some of the, tr- the, the long transporting of, of the crops that they're growing. And what this all, how this all came about is this, these scientists were inspired to create these towers that take up a lot less land. They use about 5% of the water used to grow this amount of crops, and they grow about 1,500 times the food. They use LED lights to to it's it's kind of funky looking. They they kind of compare it to the matrix because they use these LED lights to very quickly grow the food. But the great the great use for this right now is that so many ranchers and farmers we've seen lately because of of really extreme weather patterns have had a, had a hard time feeding their cattle and. Uh, taking care of their crops. This is something that they can implement by putting these towers 
on their land and growing feed for their cattle. And it takes about seven days to grow and then it spits it out and takes it to your herd. And also the impact um, of not having a truck uh, yes. This feed to different farms is a, is a huge plus for the environment. There, there's no question about that. This is just a really cool idea. And what I love about this vertical farm, too, and I've never seen this before, and I've been to a bunch of vertical farms, is that it rotates. So that helps grow it faster, I, I'm assuming, as well. And as you said, you know, from seed to feed in seven days, that's remarkable. Like this because it really uh, it it really does protect the environment a lot more. Uh, let's go back to shopping malls, um, and I guess the question that I've got is: Do shopping malls have a future? Um, we all know that the impact of COVID-19 um, had a huge impact on retailers, both large and small, and the struggle continues as higher wages, e-commerce, and a bevy of workers just want to stay home or they want to try new careers. In fact, in Tuesday's New Yorker magazine, there's a must-read column. Why are so many knowledge workers quitting? Cal Newport, the columnist, shares his firsthand account of a friend of his who received a call from an executive client last spring, beginning of the pandemic, who was looking for help to understand why he was losing so many of his employees. His friend, Brad Stolberg, an executive coach, had already started writing a book pre-pandemic titled The Practice of Groundedness, which Newport writes, argues for a values-based approach for defining and pursuing success. The top line is that he says the pandemic did not create obstacles to their work, but it nudged them to rethink the role of work in their lives altogether. Many, he says, are embracing career downsizing, voluntarily reducing their work areas to focus and emphasize other aspects of their lives. What does this have to do with retail? Everything. A decade or so ago, we consumers turned to Amazon and other e-commerce retailers. Major retailers closed over 12,000 stores in 2020 after a pre-pandemic and devastating 2019 when more than 9,300 stores closed. UBS, the financial services company, predicts that there will be about 80,000 more stores, 9% of the nation's total, that will close over the next five years as e-commerce sales continue to grow. More than 60 major retailers have filed for bankruptcy or closed stores. Brooks Brothers, J. Crew, Guitar Center, Pier One, Sears, Lucky Brand, Forever 21, Circuit City, Payless, Toys R Us, Bed Bath & Beyond, and Victoria's Secret, to name just a few, but the list goes on and on. And although Amazon reports an inventory of over 12 million items across all of its categories, department stores are broken. We don't want that kind of assortment in a store anymore. It's just a format that doesn't work anymore said Chris Cooper, an analyst at CFRA Research. People don't want to wade through a four-story megastore to find a couple of items. Roughly 40% of the nation's department stores have closed since 2016. And when it comes to malls, CoreSite Research estimates that a quarter of the remaining 1,000 malls will close over the next three to five years. You know that Oreo store that Sally was talking about? 
Well, it is located in East Rutherford, as she said. This mall cost $5 billion to build. It's called the American Dream and was opened in 2019. And as Sally said, it has an indoor ski slope, a water park, a roller coaster, and it was hyped as the future of retail. Now, not so much, as three of its retail anchors, Barney's, Lord & Taylor, and Century 21, all went out of business during the pandemic. Kurt Hagen, an executive with mall owner Triple Five, told The Week, it would have been much better if American Dream had burned down or a hurricane had hit it. So what's going to happen to what was once a viable, thriving community center, that shopping mall? Well, according to a site research analyst, Amazon turned some 25 shopping malls into distribution warehouses between 2016 and 2019. And over the past eight months, Amazon has begun setting up distribution centers in more former malls in Baton Rouge, Knoxville, and Worcester, Massachusetts. Perhaps locations for future Amazon fresh stores as well? This week on Farm Food Facts, I spoke with Jim O'Brien, the co-founder of Agrograph, who explained why transparency between farmers and their bankers is so important. For the complete episode, visit usfarmersandranchersinaction.org. You know, I think I think you're right on um, when we talk about data, because, you know, in talking to supermarkets all the time, especially on their frequent shopper card programs, they've got boxes and boxes and boxes of data. But, you know, they're not doing anything with it or they don't know they don't have a resource such as you uh, who can really look at that data and turn it into something useful for them. On your on your website, you say that you can address just about any production, climate, or global market request in the field level. How do you do that? Yeah. I mean, what I mean, we're a data platform, uh, Phil, and, and what we do is is use uh Kind of combine again, like I was saying before, in big data, we combine satellite imagery and uh, machine learning and crop models to create, uh, you know, agricultural information at the field level. So we could look anywhere in the globe and tell you any crop that's planted, uh, and for a handful of those crops, do a, a yield uh, yield estimate for. But otherwise, we can do biomass estimates and, and water use and irrigation. So, you know, for us, you know, we're not a you know, we don't do precision ag. We're not telling farmers how much fertilizer put down. We're not doing a global grain forecast, although we can. Uh, really focused on the agrofinance side of the industry uh, and helping folks understand, based on their yield potential and cropping history, kind of their credit worthiness from a banker or insurer standpoint. So, so those industries can really understand, you know, what's that risk I'm taking on? Again, going back to think of it like the FICO score uh, for agriculture. And it's time for a new product review. And this one is scary. It's Cheetos Bold and Cheesy Mac and Cheese. Look, I know during the pandemic, we all gravitated to indulgence. And products like mac and cheese were certainly at the forefront of making us feel better, at least emotionally. Now, I love these letters on the front of the package. I know you can't read them, but it says pasta with flavored sauce. They can't even say cheese sauce. And the cheese packet is labeled as Chester's Cheetos Secret Seasoning. No worries that it has the same uh, iridescent glow in the dark orange coloring from yellow number six. Yellow number six? 
no comment there. Yes, it does have real cheese. Cheddar cheese is, in fact, the third ingredient and even has a touch of blue cheese listed right before guar gum and xanthan gum. Take a gander at this long list of ingredients that follows. It lists 340 calories, but the box is 2.4 servings. So that adds up to 816 calories, 33.6 grams of fat, and a whopping 1,776 grams of sodium. And it's not that easy or quick to make, either in the microwave where it takes over 10 minutes and you must add in the milk, butter, and water at the correct times or on the stovetop where it takes seven minutes. And again, you have to stir it all at the right time. I made it on an electric stovetop. And sure, you know, it's tasty. It tastes like Cheetos, but that's it. I do like the fact that they're using fusilli pasta instead of elbow macaroni. Is it a hit? Not even close. This gets a thumbs down with a score of 71. It costs about a buck on Amazon and Walmart. Uh, Sally, have you been serving more mac and cheese during the pandemic? <laughs> well, my kids do love mac and cheese, but the artificial colors really do bother me. They would like this if they saw Cheetos and that, you know, tiger on there. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. but not going to happen. <laughs> no, not going to happen. I don't blame you. When, when, I, when I looked at these ingredients, seriously, they scared me. Um, so yesterday we had an RDBA webcast. It was entitled Shifting the C-Suite's Focus Back to Shoppers' Healthy Living Needs. It was eye-opening. It was an eye-opening discussion between Carrie Taylor of Big Y, April Sins from Rouse's, Annette, and myself. Here's what Carrie pointed out as one of the major advantages of going virtual because of the pandemic. Uh, Carrie, what about you? What's what's the number one issue for your customers? So we're finding that um, families with children really have been stepping up with the virtual nutrition offering. So not only to keep children busy you know, because of whether it was remote learning or hybrid learning, but also just to keep teaching the family, every member of the family. So mm -hmm. we offer such an array of topics. I'm always just dumbfounded when I see what the dietitians come up with because we do our basic, you know, heart health, diabetes, um, special allergies, but then we'll do seasonal topics and we'll do fun interactive recipes with just adults and with children. But I definitely have seen that uptick with demands for families with children. And that's something that's a lot different than what we saw in store because we would see like girls, girls, um, scout troops and, and, organizations like that, but not so many families. And so this has been a, a definite pivot for us. What I also asked Carrie about is whether or not her marketing people and her C-suite were really looking at the opportunity that now that families are watching these videos and families hopefully will be shopping together, bringing their kids into the store, whether or not they're addressing that by really having a strategy in place that says, hey, these are our future shoppers. Let, let's, if we can get them in at an early age, we're gonna have a whole new generation of shoppers going to Big Y. Her answer was a simple 
Yes. If you want to watch the entire webcast, just go to RDBA's Facebook page um, and you can see it there and add whatever comments you'd like. Um, so, Sally, um, what do you think? Yeah, we had some tech issues today, but otherwise, I think we had some great information. And um, again, the loser, Cheetos, the winner, Nicki Minaj. Agreed. <laughs> We're on the same page today. And don't forget, go to supermarketguru.com, sign up for our newsletter, see all kinds of great articles um, that we didn't cover here as well. And we'll see you back here next week, same time, same place on LinkedIn Live.